This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And a key block. By the left guard, Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnie. Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George. 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard, Tom Ackerman, with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down. Sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Hey. Presented by Brown and Crouppen. Brown and Crouppen, 222-2222. Uh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Ah, always fun, the old NFL bumper. That was Marv Albert, Bonnie Bernstein with the call on Westwood One back in the day when Tom Ackerman, not this one, but the one who played left guard for the Tennessee Titans, was opening holes and a great offensive lineman. Went to Eastern Washington, and I've actually been mixed up with him, not physically. I'm not... uh... (laughs) I played football as as a youngster, but never played an offensive line position. But um, I, I always find that one fun. Anyway, it is NFL Sunday. We have Mitch Holtz, the voice of the Chiefs, joining us in just a few minutes. Here are the big games today. So the noon games, how many of these are really that good? Cincinnati at Miami, Cleveland at Tennessee, yes. Detroit at Chicago, Indianapolis at Houston, Jacksonville at Minnesota, Vegas at the Jets, New Orleans at Atlanta. I would say of those, the game to watch would be Cleveland at Tennessee. The Browns are eight and three, and so are the Titans. Browns chasing a wild card spot right now, and the Titans lead the AFC South. This is a good battle between two good football teams, although the Browns' schedule hasn't really been all that good, so they're going to get a big, big test today against the Tennessee Titans. The afternoon games. The later games, I should say, Rams at Arizona, Giants at Seattle, New England at the Chargers, Philadelphia at Green Bay is a game that I like to watch only for one reason, James. I like Aaron Rodgers. That's it. You know, I'm, I've enjoyed watching Aaron Rodgers. I think he's having an MVP-type season. Not sure if he'll win it or not, but he is having a terrific year, and he talked about some of the great quarterbacks of all time. It's going to start becoming time that you mention Aaron Rodgers in that. And by the way, he's doing all of this as the Packers, right in front of him, drafted a quarterback in the first round. So Aaron Rodgers is having a terrific year. The NFC East is a mess. Philadelphia is 3-7-1. and They trail by a half game for the lead 
because the Giants and Washington are both 4-7 and seven and lead that uh, really bad division. The night game is Denver at Kansas City, and Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs, will call it here on KMOX. He is going to join us next to talk about it. Monday night games, there are two of them this week. Washington at Pittsburgh, Buffalo at San Francisco. That Steelers game is going to start at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And then the night game, Buffalo at San Francisco. And there will be a Tuesday game because of COVID. The Ravens have had their schedule turned upside down. And the Dallas Cowboys will visit them on Tuesday night at 7. Tonight on KMOX, 7.20 kickoff for the Chiefs and the Broncos. We talk it over with Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs, next on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown and Crouppen. Brown and Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Second and four for the Chiefs. Mahomes, snap at his belt, works the right boundary. Tyreek Hill over the shoulder, touchdown, Kansas City, and continues Carlton Davis's nightmare day and the wonderful game for Tyreek Hill, a 20-yard reception perfectly thrown football over the shoulder of the cheetah who's putting on a clinic in front of a national audience as this man puts on a clinic every time he calls a game whether it's on chiefs radio or on the missouri valley conference tv network with me i always love working with and now i get to talk to mitch holtis the voice of the chiefs how are you mitch Hey, good morning, Tom, on a game day, and uh, awesome. Blessed to be talking to you, bud. I love the fact that we're talking right now. How are you doing, first of all, before we get into some football? You know, it's been unique, uh, interesting, challenging, but it's not unlike the St. Louisans listening to us now or those in your great listening audience. Um, it, it hadn't been easy necessarily, but uh, we've kind of forged forward uh, for both on a personal and professional basis we've had to find ways to you know stay safe stay healthy and try to proceed on and work on but the nfl it's been it's been tough i'm really proud of the chiefs for the most part they've handled it as good as anybody in the national football league but it's been a challenge i know for you and and your family as well but we we press on you just uh, proceed by faith and hope and that's been the battle cry here for eight or nine months. Absolutely, and we love having the games on KMOX, and we love the effort mm-hmm. that you all put into it. I love the fact that Dane and Hughes is back and uh, in, in doing some some things, and he is with you on this broadcast as your analyst. Uh, just across the board, it's a really entertaining broadcast. I should let you know that I do get a lot of messages from listeners, and they especially liked that one. I just played a highlight from it, but they thought that that game against Tampa Bay was just so much fun to listen to. It was uh, an exciting football game, and the Chiefs are an exciting product, but you all put it together very well, and we love having you on KMOX. Well, Dan Israel needs mention here, and people don't know who he is. He's behind the scenes. We call him Spartacus, (laughs) but he really is the lead uh, guy from a technical producer standpoint in the National Football League. The league reaches out to Dan. Uh, He's a troubleshooter for the league. Uh, He's worked with the Olympics and Super Bowls for years. But our technical sound, I'll put up against anyone. Uh, Even, you know, we got the bells and whistles. You'll hear Mahomes barking out an audible. Uh, you'll hear the little penalty sounder. It's little extra things that we do, but from a from a pristine sound, which listeners want now, uh, particularly those in the millennial age and Gen Z, they they want the pristine sound. They're used to it, and they want it in football too. And so we hopefully give it to them technically. But I love our team. We have a terrific 
team, not only on the field, but our broadcast team, I'm really loving. I do, too. I think it, it really comes through on the air, and radio is still very special. There's no question about it. It, it has great staying yes, power, sir. and you can hear it uh, in your voices, and the descriptions are spectacular. And now you have a football team that is right back where it was last year. This is a team that could very well win the Super Bowl, and actually a quarterback that's going to end up winning, I think, a whole bunch of them. But let's start with him, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it's just, you know, at some point, and and perhaps it is this year in the era of COVID where we can appreciate things a little bit more. Maybe we just sit back and appreciate the fact that you're watching somebody that I'm not sure we've ever seen any anyone like him. How would you describe him? I think you've, you're uh, at the uh, doorstep of attempting to describe him. Andy Reid said something the other day. We do our Chiefs Kingdom show on Monday nights. It's kind of a fireside chat. But he said when some player, especially in sports, a player who does something unusual over a long period of time, we start to take it for granted. We've seen it in the great Cardinal baseball players down through the years, either Pujols in his prime, or we could just you know bring up all these guys, Ozzy Smith. But you start to take it for granted what you're seeing, and then you don't fully appreciate it until it's gone or they're done playing. And so with Mahomes, you just have struck the nerve like you normally do, Tom, in the fact that we are watching something incredibly special and listening to something incredibly special. And no, I don't think we've seen it before in the national football league. Now we'll tell you, it's his incredible skill, talent, um, his intelligence, his photographic memory, but it's also, he's surrounded by these NASA group of scientists football wise, starting with Andy Reed, Andy Reed's football mind has always been there, but he's never had this quarterback. And now you connect the two. Uh, and it's almost like a star Wars scene where, uh, you know, you've got this Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker connection that's uh, finding it, and it's manifested on the field. Mahomes is doing things in the National Football League no other quarterback has done. And I'll argue anybody all day and all night because the no-look passes, his understanding of the field, his understanding now of coverages we've seen before, but we've never seen the passes performed the way he has done. That play you just played was as perfect a throw as someone could make. Um, and a great route by Tyreek Hill. Plus, Patrick's surrounded by a pretty good cast. He really is. If there's a 1A on this team, not to put you on the spot, but Patrick is obviously uh, 1A when it comes to everybody, who would be 1B? I mean, who's the next player on the list that you can't do without? Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Kelsey uh, italicized, um, put it in big font, 64-point, and put it in bold font. Um, Kelsey's also doing things that we have never seen before. And it's, it's taken for granted because it's almost overshadowed by Mahomes's, you know, crazy performances. But Travis Kelsey right now, first of all, he's third in the national football league at all receiving, and he's a tight end. He also is averaging like almost 18 yards a catch on 20 plus plays on passing downs. And he's, he's now ranked with guys like Stefan Diggs or Julio Jones, who are receivers. The next closest tight end on that list is 37 players away. Kelsey's redefined the redefinition. Tight end position started to get, you know, redefined in the late 90s and throughout the 2000s with the Tony Gonzalez's, you know, the Jimmy Graham's, the basketball player guy that became the great football player. Well, Kelsey's taken it to another level. He's taken a tight end body and put wide receiver skills in him. We'll run this tonight a lot. And I'll mention it when I give the formation, but we run him as a single side receiver split 
like you would as a wide receiver split in. And we put him against corners, and he beats corners all the time. It's unfair. Uh, and so we haven't seen that before in the National Football League. We've seen tight ends with skills and unusual skills, but we haven't seen a tight end with this guy's skills. Different than Kittle. I love Kittle in San Francisco, but he's not going to line up as a single side receiver and beat corners all day. Kelsey can. He can indeed, and he is incredible to watch. This is the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, for just a few more minutes. He'll have the call tonight, a 7.20 kickoff pregame at 6 right here, the Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. And it has been a difficult year, as we mentioned, for everybody across the board in the NFL, but there are some really good teams to watch. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, I guess it'd be easy to say that the Chiefs and Steelers are on a collision course for an AFC championship, but I just don't know what to expect from week to week sometimes in this league. Nothing is a given, that's for sure. And I'll react this way. I put a podcast up, and the fans are listening. They could, I do a Defending the podcast, defending the Kingdom podcast every week, and if they go back, they can find it on YouTube. There's one mentioned the three divisions, and it's had a bunch of looks because people have been curious, but there are three divisions, Tom, for any team in the National Football League, but let's take it from the Chiefs' perspective. One, the Chiefs can pretty much wrap up the division. I mean, they're sitting here with a four-game lead with five to go. They would wrap it up tonight if they win and the Raiders would lose for a fifth straight year. That's the obvious one. The second obvious one is this race for the single bye in both conferences. Unique this year that there's not two byes, there's only one bye. And the Chiefs are taking on here the Steelers who refuse to lose. It's like a watching a distance runner and you're three-fourths of the way through the 10,000-meter run and the, the guy in the red and white and gold uniform uh, can't quite overtake the black and gold runner. Well, someone's going to get a bye who wins that race. Third, and this now has been loomed to be almost the most important division, and it's the COVID division. COVID wrecked the Patriots. Once, uh, uh, once, you know, they, once Cam Newton came down with it, they, they were done. I mean, they pretty much wrecked their year. We have seen it almost wreck some other teams. It's hurt the Raiders. The Raiders wouldn't. I don't think they'd have the losses they've got without it. I mean, they've had 21 guys on their COVID list at one time or another and had almost a million and a half in fines. We've seen it affect the Titans. We've seen it affect, honestly, the Ravens. And it may have taken the Ravens off the grid. So the battle here week to week and day to day, and you're right, it's hard to anticipate it because of those three areas, but mainly the COVID division. I'll say this. On December the 6th, on a Sunday morning on Camo X, that the teams that win the COVID division are the teams that will be in Miami. I'm sorry, in Tampa Bay for Super Bowl 55. Because there's going to be teams still that will get taken off the track because of COVID. That's a great point. Final thing. Uh, we had Travis Ford on last hour, and he said that college basketball right now is chaos uh, with uh, COVID and how a lot of teams are dealing with it. His team looks really good right now, but everything is cross your fingers day to day. I want to end with this. Our great friend, and you and I have worked together on Arch Madness Telecast for a long time, but the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, who has announced that he is going to retire, has one more year. And he is going to dig in in what is a very challenging year, isn't it, Mitch Holtis? Doug Elgin is one tremendous individual, as the Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner uh, calls it a career. One of a kind person. He has had, and he's had the Valley, of course, he's done amazing things with the Valley in lifting it up, but also navigating it through icebergs. And college basketball is facing a crisis, I think, not just with COVID, but 
you know, you have 1,500 transfers in a year. And uh, honestly, it's hurt the continuity of the game. And I don't know what college basketball thinks they are, uh, but they've got to set back and redo this or at least rethink it and try to get some continuity into the game. Or otherwise, it's just going to be – they will lose fan appeal because you want to – it's like free agency in professional sports. And you want to have your heroes there for two or three years. Valley teams, the good ones, the, the Loyolas that make the Final Fours, the teams that we've seen gone through Arch Madness that have the continuity, usually win and win at a high level. I think of Villanova and what Jay Wright has done. But back to Doug. Okay, maybe it's a removable statue. Maybe we put it on rollers and you and I will put it out there every year for Arch Madness. But there needs to be a stand usual Doug Elgin statue for Arch Madness, in my opinion, just because what he is, the impact he's made for St. Louis. What's that first weekend in March look like in St. Louis if the Valley's not there? Now, everybody's getting ready for Cardinal baseball, but it's a month away at the, you know, at the least. And there brings, there's some spirit to that town that comes alive for those four to five days when downtown comes alive and those fans want to come to St. Louis. It helps the entire city. Plus what Doug has done and his staff, we know that Jack and Mike and Patty and the others, what they have done to bring final fours to St. Louis, both men's and women's, regional finals, NCAA tournaments. And otherwise, St. Louis you know, would have the blues, but that would be it. So Doug's impact, and he's not a self-promoter, is much more far-reaching than I think we realize. And again, it's like we were talking about watching the great Cardinal players or watching uh, and listening to what we're seeing now with the Chiefs, like this incredible greatness at next-level status. That's what Doug has done, not only for the Missouri Valley Conference, but for St. Louis. And hopefully, you know, we won't realize it's his impact till it's over, but hopefully he'll get his due this year in a victory lap because Doug Elgin's had an enormous part of protecting, helping college basketball, enhancing the St. Louis experience, and really helping the Missouri Valley Conference survive through some tumultuous times. That's very well said, and I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate you joining me on a game day. As you have a game tonight, Sunday night football on KMOX. It's the Chiefs and the Broncos at 720. Mitch Holtis will have the call on the Chiefs radio network and right here on KMOX. Appreciate it, Mitch. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be on KMOX. As a little kid in north central Kansas on the farm, I could ride my bike to the top of the hill with my dog and pick up KMOX and play the game out with a stick and a rock as I'm listening to it. So I got fond memories of the the big stick, KMOX. Well, now kids in that town can flip on KMOX if they so choose and hear your games, and that's something. Appreciate it, Mitch. Well, I know when they say touchdown Kansas City, if they're playing in the backyard, which they I hear that a lot and they don't know I'm around, I'll go, yes, my work is done here. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, bud. Thank you. There's a great friend, Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs. It's 1130. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, is next. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown & Crouppen. Brown & Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's fun to listen to Mitch Holtis there, the voice of the Chiefs, joining me last segment. Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, is coming up at 1145. Great win for him yesterday over Arkansas. Joining us now is the president of baseball operations of the 11-time world champion St. Louis Cardinals. And that would be John Mosellock. Mo, good morning. It's always great to have you on KMOX. 
Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, baseball's winter meetings are upon us, but they're a little different this time around, aren't they? Yeah, or you could argue they don't exist. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, from the baseball side, it's it's really just a, a couple of, of meetings that are more like administrative. But, um, so, yeah, very quiet week, um, considered that, you know, Historically, I'd be getting on a plane right now and heading to Dallas, and we usually have a late afternoon meeting just with uh, some of my own staff, and then that leads into um, usually four very long days. So it'll be very odd to see what transpires, but I think in a lot of ways it's a reflection of, of really what we're really dealing with right now. There's so much uncertainty, and and therefore – this this rush to just have something done or to do something you might not see like you might normally and maybe the way to think about it is historically you've tried a lot of a lot of deals were done prior to christmas and then people would take the holiday break and then you know sort of roll up their sleeves in, in the month of january as sort of a, a really sort of the prep before spring training but I think you're going to see some of this activity get pushed into January. And, um, you know, most people I speak with, you get a sense that, you know, this January might be the new December. Interesting. And certainly there's uh, very understandable. I mean, we're just all taking this as best we can and moving forward with it. And still a lot of unknowns on your front, as we've talked about extensively in the area of revenue and the area of even rules in the, in the national league, which, you know, as you discussed last week with Mike Claiborne on this show, it's just a matter of uh, waiting to see also what happens between the union and owners. Right. So, you know, you have that sort of as a backdrop of of how do you put your club together? And, you know, that DH question is one I think uh, a lot of the National League, uh, especially, is trying to figure out, do I plan for it or not? And, you know, I, I guess the one thing with us is, you know, we do have some outfield depth where we feel like we could get um, some at-bats. But, you know, clearly when you look at this past season, one of the things we are trying to do is, is make sure that we do address the, the uh, offense if possible. So, yeah, I, I think, like, for us, it's it's just sort of understanding what this landscape looks like. And, you know, I think uh, also trying to see if there's anything that makes sense on the trade front. But, you know, all of that is going on behind the scenes, and you know, ultimately, uh, we're still in a little bit of a holding pattern on, on terms of how to think about revenue versus payroll, and and so that part is is still a kind of moving target as well. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's a lot of odd times, but there's also you know the other side of the business. You know, we're making sure all their employees are signed up, and uh, you know that we're staffed for next year, and so all of that's been going on, and. Um, yeah, as we enter what normally would be a very hectic week, it, it'll take a, a definitely a different tone or pace than what we uh, normally are used to. We did see the deadline to tender contracts, and we saw a couple of decisions that were made there. What, uh, in terms of your roster, what went into your thinking there in terms of tender or non-tender? Right, so we had two players that we chose not to tender. Uh, Ravello just felt like, he was a bit redundant for what we were trying to accomplish. And, you know, when you look at uh, what Nikowski did, just felt like, you know, we had some protection and Nikowski has options. So it just um, seemed like that was 
pretty simple move to make. And then in, in John Brevia's case, you know, we're still hoping that, that we can maybe find a way to bring him back. Um, but at the time, you know, the roster spot has some value. And it's not to say we wouldn't maybe do a major league deal, but I think we'd rather wait a little while to see um, um, what other options we may have or, or ways to use that spot. So we're just going to, again, be a little patient there. But those are really the only uh, two big ones. And then we were able to get John Gant done, which was, you know, it was more of a, it wasn't like a threat of a non-tender or anything like that, but I was just in discussions with his agent. We both felt really comfortable about where we had him valued. And so we didn't wait until January just to, to you know, play that game prior to uh, the exchange date for ARB eligible players. Right. So people realize he was uh, eligible for arbitration. And Johnny Gant, you know, it's, gosh, he's been in this game for a while. He's only 28 years old. And he's shown you a lot in that time, hasn't he? He's still capable of doing a lot. I would describe him, I guess, not only do I like him personally, and he's a great athlete, uh, but he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife for you. I mean, if you need something, John Gant can usually take care of it. Well, I think that's right. I, you know, I, I, I try to always decide, like, what is his best role? Because he is someone that, you know, he could be a starter or obviously he could pitch in high leverage situations on the bullpen. So, you know, I think we'll probably have to bring him to camp, let him stretch out a little bit and um, see what we have. I know on a personal level, he has a desire to start. And, um, you know, you, you certainly don't want to squash that at the moment. So we'll see. But, you know, there's a lot of guys right now that are on our roster that could really wear either hat, whether that's um, pitching out of the bullpen or, or starting a game. So um, that part's exciting to, to know that we have that kind of depth. Yeah, he does have that competitive fire for sure. He told me that a year ago. At the winter warm-up that he wanted to crack at that rotation. And I, I know that the Cardinals like that. You like that competition. You like uh, players wanting to do uh, go as far as they possibly can, of course. Now, when it comes to your priorities right now, we don't talk about free agents, of course, and there are a lot that have popped up out there, and some weight has to be required. Some patience has to be required. Required. We already talked about the DH. That's going to determine some things with that list that's out there. Uh, but you told me a couple weeks ago your priority was still seeing what would transpire with Yachty and Wayno. Uh, is that still the case? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're getting to a point where, you know, we might have some more clarity on that in the near future. But even, even saying that, there's no guarantee on that. And, you know, certainly I think for us it would be nice to know – you know, if they're, if we're going to find a way to bring them back or not. And so, you know, I, in, a, in an ideal world, these things could have already been done or determined, but unfortunately um, for all the reasons we've already stated, um, that's why we are where we are at this point. Well, we wish you the best of this coming week with some of your discussions, meetings. I know your computer will be charged up and ready to go. Get ready for a lot of Zooms, right, John? I hope so, yeah. But uh we'll see. You know, I, I you know, I know there's uh there's gonna be some things that, that are gonna be talked about and hopefully uh we also do a media session this week at some point too, just to have a really connected with the entire group recently. So uh hopefully we can do that as well. So uh, probably see you down there as well. Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get everybody back together again. John Mosalock, a pleasure as always. Thank you for the time and visiting on these Sundays. 
All right. Thanks, Tully. Thank you. John Mozeliak, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of the University of Missouri, is next at 1145. It's 1142. Sports on a Sunday morning continues after this. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown & Crouppen. Brown & Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Clean snap, kick on the way. It is perfect. And the Missouri Tigers have done it in walk-off fashion, 50-48. to 48. Wow, what a game. What a call, what a finish, and what a win. For the University of Missouri, they went at 50-48 to 48 over Arkansas yesterday on SEC Network. And Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of the Tigers, is 5-3. and three, And he is the proud recipient. That battle line trophy is going nowhere. That thing is big, too, isn't it? That's a it's big trophy. Big it's, yeah, it's big and it's heavy and I can't lift it up. My back's hurting. Yeah, I bet. My gosh, there was a lot going on yesterday. How are you feeling this morning? Well, I mean, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, got to go back to work. You, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you enjoy it for the night and then you come in here and watch tape and there's a lot of things on that tape that we got to get fixed. Uh, you know, the season's not over yet. And so we got another quality opponent this week. So I'm kind of moving on and now working on the corrections. Yes, you do. I, I do want to go back though, if you don't mind for the radio purposes to talk about yesterday's game, cause that was just, oh, yes. uh, it was so special and uh, so many yards, so many points a 98 points scored in this game and to be part of the largest fourth quarter comeback in Mizzou history. What does that say about your group? Um, I think it speaks more to just the players always compete attitude and, and um, never giving in, not surrendering, playing one play at a time. And that's a, that's a pretty awesome thing to have on, uh, you know, for this team to have on their resume. You did. You came back, you were down, came back, and then here comes Arkansas. So they drive down the field. They're a talented group just like you with a lot of heart and a lot of guts. And they come down and score a touchdown, and then Sam Pittman, their head coach, says, I'm going for two. And they do. And they convert, but not before the ball bounces off a defender and into the hands of a receiver. And uh, now you are familiar with some things that have happened in Mizzou history. Certainly fans are. And I think the reaction of a lot of people was no, that they cannot lose another game in that fashion, a heartbreaker. And I, I was watching the game and I looked at you and while I'm, I know you're fired up at, at all times, you looked as calm as could be. You looked down, glanced down at what I'm assuming were some plays and, and some plans and with 43 seconds on the clock, what did you say to your quarterback, Connor Basilak? Let's go win the game. I mean, let, let's go win the game. There's no reason to complain, pout, be upset. There's still time on the clock. And as long as there's time on the clock, we still have a chance. And so, you know, I was brushing up on what calls we would need to make in each situation and, and uh, communicated with Connor. We had three timeouts. I felt really good about, you know, knowing what they were going to do defensively and felt like we had calls that could beat it. Went out and executed it. You did indeed, and came down, and not once but twice, timeouts were called to ice Harrison Mavis, your kicker, but he delivered, and uh, talk about calm under pressure. He does that all the time, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he for, for being a true freshman in that moment, uh, to be able to handle the situation and stay as focused as he is, it's just a tribute to him and Coach Link, our special teams coordinator, for just, uh, you know, focusing on what you can control. And I think you said it best advantage him, you know, because he knew he was handling it the right way.
knocked it through the uprights from 32 yards away, and you had yourself not only a victory, but a great celebration on the field. That's emotional, isn't it? Anytime you can get a win in that fashion, for sure. But uh, I know on a night when you're a day when you're honoring seniors, uh, it can get a little extra special and extra emotional. Coach, did you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a tradition if you win the senior game, uh, you know, you get to go get the rock and then, uh, you know, carry get the seniors carried off the field. So, uh, you know, that's always a cool thing. And I think it was an emotional thing for the seniors and just glad we were able to deliver. You did indeed. And you won the game 50-48 to 48 over Arkansas to improve to 5-3 and three on the season. The SEC is a tough league and it can be even tougher for everybody when it's during a year like this. You'll have time to go back and reflect on 2020. For now, you have a, a, a game in front of you. But I, a couple other things from that game yesterday. Nick Bolton, what uh, what was the explanation that you received there? I know you've talked to the media about this, but for KMOX purposes, what what is your evaluation of what happened with the Missouri linebacker yesterday? Um, I, You know, the intent of the rule is to take away any, you know, launching into the head or neck area uh, on a defenseless receiver. Um, you know, there, some people get caught up on whether or not it's, you know, launching with the crown of the helmet or whatnot. You know, based on their review, uh, uh, you know, they said it was a good call, so I'm not going to question them. They have to make those judgment calls in those, you know, in those split-second times. So, uh, you know, if that's what they said the rule was and they reviewed it and the SEC said that's what it was, then we abide by it and we move on. And uh, you had to move on, and you had some players that had to jump in and get the job done. And one of those players, Jamal Brooks, uh, Chad Bailey, uh, are a couple that uh, jumped in. But you had uh, Devin Nicholson. You, you've got players. This is why they're there, right? I mean, you know, just step in and, and get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's that's why you build quality depth. That's why you recruit. That's why. Uh... You know, you come to Mizzou, so when your number's called, you, you step up and, and make the plays that you're supposed to play. I'm not sure by rule what you can say specifically, but I anticipate or I would I would guess that this was a very good recruiting week for you last week, Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, I mean, I think we're uh, we're doing a nice job. There's a, there's some positive momentum uh, within the program. Uh, you know, our, our board of curators is meeting today to talk about potentially uh, building an indoor and we're getting recruits, so... I think uh, if, I, if I was an investor, I'd be buying stock in Mizzou. I know that. Uh, what can you tell us about that indoor facility effort? Uh, I had, by the way, Gary Pinkle was on my Garage Happy Hour on Thursday. He spoke glowingly of you, really likes you. But he jumped right into the indoor facility discussion and uh, said some very uh, poignant things about how it's something that you need to have if you're moving forward in this league. Yeah, I mean, uh you know, my my thoughts on it are we're at a competitive disadvantage right now. Um, we're, we're the furthest north playing school, and, and we don't have an indoor. So, you know, we're not even at equal ground as the rest of the SEC. We're at a disadvantage uh, for player development and player safety. And, and as a SEC program, we, we can't be that way. Gary Pinkle echoed those thoughts. Here's what he said. I want that indoor facility to look as nice as our south end zone. I mean, where people walk in, because we're the furthest north school in the SEC. But boy, you take them in a, a indoor facility that's just benchmarked. I mean, it's like the best that there is. Uh, we got to keep doing stuff like that. I told him I've been in that coach's office in the south end zone too. I said that's, that's nice. There's a fireplace in there. He said, "Yes, yeah. it is. It's awesome." <laughs> he said, "All of that counts. You know, all of yeah. that counts." And you want to you want to make it as great a presentation as you can to recruits and, and the like, right, coach? 
Yeah, minimum input equals minimum output. Maximum input equals maximum output. And we want a championship program that the state is proud of, and we got to put, you know, we got to invest in that. Going back to the traditions that you're starting as well, uh, take me through. I don't know that we've ever talked about what that means to you to light the dome, but the the original the origination of that idea and the execution of that, what that is like for you to do. Well, you know, when we win, we want to celebrate. We want to be able to celebrate with our fans and with our alumni and with our players. And what a better place than having the iconic columns on that grassy area that we can all go and, and celebrate, you know, what we all love and are passionate about. It's really close to downtown, which can spill over to a great event. And, you know, I want something I want something that we can rally behind. I want a program that everybody knows. These are the traditions. We're proud of this this group, this team. We're proud to come to Columbia because we know we we're, if we win, we're going downtown to celebrate at the columns with a lighting. Uh, we know we're going to sing in the locker room. And uh, those things are important to building a program and building a culture. And the tailgating and everything that goes into it post-pregame and post-game is some of the best in the country at Missouri, and you'll get a good taste of that as that moves along, that's for sure. You'll, you'll be able to see that coming and going to, the, to that stadium. Uh, Eli Drink was just a, a couple more things for you. You look ahead to your next game, and again, we just keep fingers crossed each week that we can see teams play a next game. But what do you envision? What do you need to improve upon uh, size up your next opponent, if you would. Yeah, I mean, we've got a very talented Georgia team. Uh, you know, we've game-planned them for them once. Uh, probably the best defense we'll have played all year, um, maybe except for Alabama. Uh, physical defensive line, great secondary players, talented linebackers. Offensively, uh, big offensive line, uh, a, a sure doubt, first-round draft pick at wide receiver. Uh, and then they figured out who their quarterback is. So it's going to be a tall task. Uh, you know, we've got to play much better, uh, really, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, we got away with a couple of things offensively, kicked way too many field goals defensively, uh, didn't tackle well, didn't get aligned, uh, had busted coverages. So, you know, those are things that this week we've got to really focus, hone in on, and, and uh, get better at. Well, congratulations on the win over Arkansas, and congratulations on five wins this year. Uh, good luck getting your sixth against Georgia, and appreciate these visits very much. It's always great to talk to you. All right. Thanks, buddy. M-I-Z. Z-O-U from Eli Drinkowitz, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. Well, it is the Sports on a Sunday Morning program coming to an end, but we do have more sports for you tonight. 7.20, it will be the Chiefs and the Broncos. Mitch Holtis, who joined us on the show a little earlier, will be on the call. 6 o'clock pregame, 7.20 for the kickoff. Tuesday, it will be Billiken basketball on KMOX. 7 o'clock tip-off for Travis Ford's team. He was on the show a little earlier today. They'll take on Central Arkansas. We'll have that one on KMOX. And following that, we will tape delay the Jack Buck Awards at the Missouri Athletic Club, which will be held once again, but under strict COVID and social distancing guidelines. There will be very few people in the room. If you remember in the past, it was always a full house, big dinner. That's not the case this year. Masks will be worn. Tables very far from each other. The presenters will be few. The awardees will be few. There will not be a lot of, uh, there'll be a lot of space between everybody. Let's just put it that way. Uh, inside the Missouri Athletic Club and, and handled in the uh, most safe way possible. But it is fascinating 
with what they're doing with the top 50 sports personalities of the last 50 years. There is a secret list, and we're going to find out who's number one coming up on Tuesday night after the Billikens game. I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks to James O'Sullivan. Sports on a Sunday morning, wrapping up on KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.